We just came back from a family reunion. My brothers and sisters and I haven't been together since my own dad passed away in 96, 1996. And so uh, my older sister, Marianne, and her husband came up from Brazil. My brother and his wife drove her from Nashville. My sister came down from upstate New York. And Mary and I came from over here in Texas. And my brother, my little brother, already lives in Georgia. And we all ended up a little bit south of, of Atlanta and had a great time together. But whenever you get together in a family reunion like that, some of you, I'm sure all of you, have done that at one time or another, you reminisce and you remember things that your dad did and your mom did. And as I've been thinking about Father's Day, I think one of the memories that I have is of my dad is of him shouting up the stairs. My bedroom was on the third floor back in New Jersey. We had these three-story houses, and I lived up in the attic after my room was. I remember my dad, you know, kind of hollering up the stairs, David, take out the garbage! And you say, well, that's a weird thing to remember. And I, what I remember is my reaction to that. I remember thinking in my heart, you know, that is, that garbage stinks. And, and I really don't want to take out the garbage. What I really want to do is to ride my bike. And all of the, it's amazing how just in a flash, all those things can go through your mind. How many of you have ever had that similar experience? The last thing in the world that I wanted to do was to obey my dad. Anybody join me in that kind of thinking? You know, it's a little bit tough. And, and as soon as your parent, as soon as your dad or your mom asks you to do anything, your first response inside of you is, I don't want to do that. To make matters worse, in our family, my dad didn't let me kind of come grumbling down the stairs. And, oh, yeah, I'll take out the garbage, you know, and everything. Man, that was big trouble if I did that. I just say, yes, dad, I will. Everybody say that with me now. Yes, Dad, I will. Doesn't that hurt? Have you ever noticed how hard it is? From the, you know, nobody ever taught me to go, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to take out the garbage. I don't want to obey my parents. But from the time I was a little kid, there was a part of me that rebelled against obeying my parent. And my parents had to work and train and discipline me in order to try to get me going. And what we're going to look at today is that is we're going to, we want to work with that tremendous pressure that's inside of all of us. I want to talk to the children today. Every one of you children, there's a number one command that the Lord has for you. It's the first commandment for kids. It's very simple. As you grow up in life, you're going to find out that, that often people give you instructions. They hand you the Encyclopedia Britannica. There's no way that you can ever figure out what they're trying to get across. But as we open up to God's basic foundational command to children, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. So turn there, because as Paul's been working through all of this discussion about relationships and families, and as we come to the child's room, the Apostle Paul has a very simple, straightforward command. Look what he says. He says, children, obey your parents and the Lord. And then he gives a reason for that, because this is right. This is right. And then he gives the basis that how we know that it's right. He, come, he quotes from Exodus chapter 20 and also from Deuteronomy, where the commands are given in Deuteronomy chapter 5. It says, honor your father and your mother which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. The Apostle Paul gives the first commandment for kids. I love it. It's just really straightforward. I say, Paul, like a lot of parents come up to me and ask me, you know, what, what, what kind of rules we need to have in our household? What I love about the Apostle Paul, he doesn't hand me a book. He just gives a very simple, clear command. In our household, as Mary and I were raising our kids, this was the foundation of the child's responsibility. 
First of all, it says children. I want to analyze what he says here. First of all, he says children. He doesn't say adults, obey your parents. This is a child that's supposed to obey your parents. Some of you have been raised in teaching that's very Roman. Let me just share something with you about the Roman culture. If you were all Romans here today, living in the first century, you would never escape from your dad's authority over you. Even if you were an adult son, even if you were a general of, a, of several legions, if your father gave a command, in fact, if he said, I want my son to be executed, a Roman father legally had the right to execute you even as an adult son. Or if he said, son, leave your general position and come and help take care of me at home. A Roman son never left the authority of his dad. Now, to be honest with you, that was ameliorated much in the normal culture. And if obviously, if you're a great Roman general, the, the masses would rise up because Rome needed to be protected. So there was a lot of, of, of you know, hedging on that legal authority. But under Roman rules, a child never left his dad's authority. Some of you are still living in that day. And I want you to understand that it's unbiblical. The scripture teaches that a child is underneath their parents' authority and is to obey them. But when a child grows up and goes out on their own and becomes an adult, for example, we learned about let a man leave his father and his mother and cling to his wife, and together they'll become one flesh. That is a new household. And those responsibilities of authority change. And the wife, for example, no longer is needing to be obedient to her dad. Her dad needs to let go and let her enter into the new adult relationship that she has with her husband. Vice versa. You have a child that grows up and they leave home and they go away. Your relationships need to change. So I want to really stress that this is like a window from the time that a child is born to the time they come become adult. People say, well, what's the age when they become an adult? Well, in the ancient Hebrew culture, when you were about 13, you could learn how to drive your oxen. You could learn how to sew together some goat, skin, goat skins. You could tell your daddy and mommy that, that, you know, that the girl that, that you were looking at, that they had chosen for you, that you had kind of finagled everything around so you could get connected. You were ready to marry her, and at 16 or 15, you'd be married. And to be honest with you, in America, those days weren't too far in the past. A lot of my friends, for example, from Maine, when I was growing up, a lot of them got married when they were 16, 17. And some of the teens are going, oh, man, that would be exciting. Well, you've got to be sure you can drive your oxen well and you can provide for your family. In our culture, it takes a lot longer. And so we have a longer period and we need to wrestle with that as a church family and put our heads together and pray and ask the Lord for blessing. But I, I do want you to know that there is a time when a child needs to leave his mom and dad. And so when I, I talk to you about children obeying your parents, I, down through the years as I've been exposed to this teaching, I see one extreme where a dad is saying and a mom is saying that you need to obey me the rest of your life. And that is not what Paul is saying. This is a child that is old enough to understand what word, as we read this letter in the Ephesian congregation, the child sitting there, just like some of our children sitting here, they're old enough to hear what the letter is saying, and they're old enough to respond, but they're not old enough to be out of the home on their own. And so that's what we need to, first of all, think about when we think about children. Second of all, it says that the child needs to obey their parents. They need to obey their dad and mom. 
The word obey is an interesting word. You know, the word obey in Greek means, first of all, to listen. I had to hear my dad say, Dave, take out the garbage. Not very complicated, but uh, if I have, you know, all this, you know, my, my record player back then, it was an old, you know, even, you know, the, the old kind where you put the arm on the record. And back in the dark ages, you know, where we had stones for plates and stuff, kind of like the Flintstones. But uh, I, first of all, had to turn down everything. Today, you have to take off the earphones and you have to listen. And all of you decide at what level you're going to listen. Prof. Hendricks, uh, that's trained a lot of us, they go to Dallas Seminary, used to talk about the mom that comes out and says, Johnny, would you come in for supper? And Johnny doesn't budge. You know, Johnny's playing with his friend and, you know, nothing happens five or six minutes. And five or six minutes later, you know, the mom comes out again, Johnny, come in for supper. And Johnny keeps playing by the creek with his toys and his friend says, hey, your mom just said you're supposed to go in. And Johnny just keeps playing. And finally, about a half an hour later, the mom goes, Johnny, you get in here right this minute. Johnny collects all of his toys and he slowly goes into the house. Johnny's mom had decided with her son what level it would be of listening and when the response would be. And you decide what it is in your house. Now, what is easier to yell, Johnny, get in here right this minute, after you're really angry? Or is it easier to say, Johnny, it's time for supper, come in? Which is easier? The first one's easier. And that from the time that they're just little bitty kids, you decide what that level of hearing is going to be. For example, I joked about with my dad, like my dad, like often I would say, yeah, dad. And back in my family, that would be a no-no. Dad would say, Dave, did you hear me? And I would say, yes, dad, I heard you. And in our home, you had to, that's the way you needed to respond. And even back in New Jersey, where most of the time we did yell at each other over just about everything else, when it came to obedience... My dad was very strong on that you need to listen and then you need to respond with respect. And that's rooted in the word obey. It it involves, first of all, this idea of listening. So I want to challenge every one of the kids. As the Lord Jesus has come into your life, a lot of you receive the Lord in promised land. A lot of you receive the Lord with your mom and dad. When Jesus come to live inside of you, I want you to know that just like when I was growing up, that when your mom and dad ask you to do something, there's going to be a part of you that's called the old person. That old you will go, no, I don't want to do that. There's another part of you that was created you when you received Jesus in your heart. And that new person will go, yes, dad. Yes, mom. And you'll obey. And I want all the kids to start thinking about it. Even if you're, you know, like you might be five or six years of age. I want you to start thinking about, you know, which one of those tigers in your tank, which one of those panther cubs that you're feeding. If you feed the rebellious one, and if you feed the one that doesn't listen, eventually you're going to get old, and you're not going to obey anybody. And you're going to get in really bad trouble. Because a policeman one day is going to tell you, you can't do so-and-so and so-and-so. And you're going to go, oh, yeah? And you're going to get angry, you're going to disobey him, and you're going to be in really hot water. In fact, you could even end up in prison. That's what happens. Or you can end up, you know, even losing your life. For example, driving a car way too fast and breaking the law because you don't obey. Those are all parts of of what we need to learn from the time that we're little tiny kids. And so there's a part of us, even as children, that is rebellious and arrogant. And there's another part that says, yes, I will listen. The other part of this word obey is not only to listen. A lot of people listen. A lot of people, they say, did you hear what I said? Yes. I say, Dad, I heard what you said, and I just stay upstairs. Now, did I hear what Dad said? Yes. I heard what he said, take up the garbage. 
and I'm thinking it stinks. I want to go out with my friends. I don't want to do that. The next part of this word means that you follow through and you actually do what you heard. It's a real important part. Obedience means that you not only hear, but then you put yourself under what you heard. That's what it means to obey. You listen and then you put yourself under what you heard and you actually carry it out with your hands and your feet. And with your whole life, and you actually, in other words, I had to get out of my room, go down and get the garbage, take it out, and dump it. And then I obeyed. What I want to challenge all of you children to do, this is going to be the biggest struggle of your life. I want you to realize, like, I struggle with obedience, you struggle with obedience. I also want to challenge you that you're never going to get to a place where you're so old that you don't have to obey. Because that's the way life is. Every one of you, as you grow older, are going to be put in different arenas in life and you need to listen and then you need to carry out what the person over you has told you to do. For example, if you go to work for TXI, one of the big cement plants here, you're going to have a boss that will tell you that you need to be there at such and such a time, say 8 o'clock in the morning for your shift. And you're going to hear them say that And then they're going to expect you to show up at 8. And if you show up at 8.15, 8.15, you're going to lose your job. At first, they're going to be kind to you, and they'll go, did you oversleep or something? You know, what happened? They'll give you a few chances, but eventually the big boss will call you in and says, I'm sorry, you're supposed to be here at 8, and you're never here at 8. You don't have a job which means you can't pay the, you know, the expenses on the new pickup truck you just bought, and you can't pay for the apartment rent you're going to have, you're going to lose out. And so that's why the Apostle Paul is so strong in this, because one of the most fundamental lessons we need to learn in life is to listen, first of all, to our parents, where it all begins, especially to our dad as God's responsible leader in our home, We need to listen to what he says, and then we need to carry it out. We need to follow through with his instructions. The next little phrase that Paul adds is, in the Lord. You want to be reading the whole book of Ephesians as we read this. The Apostle Paul is telling even little children that the way that you're going to fulfill this command, the way you're going to obey the Lord, is through the Lord's power. And he's reminding us, like in Ephesians chapter 1, we learned that our loving daddy in heaven chose us. Even before creation, he blessed you. He wanted you. He chose you to be one of his kids. And when we studied Ephesians 1, one of the major things I talked about is the daddy's blessing. So one of the ways that a child is able to be obedient to their parent is that they're ultimately receiving their heavenly daddy's blessing, that he's choosing them, that he is speaking well of them. He is laying hands upon them, you might say metaphorically, and saying, you're you're such a great son and I love you. In chapter 2, we learned about the fact that we started out being very disobedient children. We learned about how we were dead in our sins and how God didn't leave us dead in our sins, but he called us to himself by grace or you saved through faith. We talked about this incredible reality that Jesus gave his life for us because of the daddy's plan and because of the Holy Spirit's desire to come and live in our life. And we were born into God's family when we put our faith and trust in him. In chapter 3, we learned about how God wants to tear down all the, the animosity and the anger, especially between Jews and Gentiles, but tear down the anger between kids and their parents and parents and their kids, husbands and wives and wives and husbands and different races and different groups of people, different nationalities. God, in Jesus, he wants to tear all of that down. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about in chapter 3. 
In chapter 4, he starts out the chapter saying, you know, if you've received this incredible grace, how should you walk day by day? And he talked to us about the, the, the tire that I'm talking about that's within. And he talked about the new nature that we receive in Christ. And I, I know I've repeated it again and again, but I don't want you to ever think, and I don't want even the little children to think, that you can be obedient to your dad and to your mom through your own strength. What I needed to do to learn as a little kid when my dad says, Dave, take out the garbage, I didn't just say, yes, dad, I'll be happy to do it in my own strength. I didn't say, Lord Jesus, you live inside of me now. You came to live in my heart when I was five years of age. There's a tiger in my tank that wants to curse my parents and wants to reject my parents or wants to deceive my parents or wants to just do what I want to do. That's part of me. But you created a new Dave and I want to live in that power. I want you to help me. And so one of the things I want to encourage you moms and dads to do, even with your little kids, I want you to start challenging them to walk in the power of Jesus. And I want you to teach them to be honest about the tiger that's inside them. They don't have to pretend. You want to get them to open up about the struggles that you're having. That's why as a pastor teacher, I just tell you what's going on inside of me. I don't try to present to you that I don't have the struggles you have. And when I was a kid, I wrestled with disobedience. I still wrestle with disobedience. I don't like to obey. I like to do what Dave wants to do. And all of us are like that. And so it's in the Lord. The Apostle Paul says, children, listen to and then follow the instructions of your parents in the Lord. It's by the Lord's power. It's in our intimacy with him that we're going to be able to obey him. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Kids, I want to share something with you. A lot of your kids, a lot of your friends are going to say that isn't right. That what kids do, especially as you grow older, and the more you move up through middle school, when you get working with Jason, Jason's going to be really trying to come alongside what I'm teaching you to help you to realize that a whole bunch of your friends are going to say, don't listen to your parents. They're idiots. Parents are jerks. Parents don't know what they're talking about. We know what you're talking about. Let us tell the secrets. Let us tell you all the secrets. Let's tell, let us tell you how life really works. When you get in high school, it kind of becomes a, a smoldering reality that parents are kind of idiots. In fact, parents have a little saying that at 18, parents don't know anything. At 22, suddenly a miracle happens and suddenly all kinds of wisdom flows into parents' heads and suddenly kids have information again they can get from their parents. Now what really happened? Did parents suddenly become wise again when a kid hits 22? No. The nature of being a young person is that we were kind of naive and open-minded. We're going to learn about that when we study the book of Proverbs. One of the things we do during our teenage years is we think we know it all. We think that we know better how to do it. And it's arrogance. Because the truth of the matter is, and I'm, the reality of the matter is, that we haven't lived very long when we're 13. We haven't experienced all there is to life. Even if our mom or dad is 30, it's just 30 years of age, which is still relatively young, they've still beat us in 17 years. They've still got a lot more experience. It only makes sense. And I often use the illustration, like if you're going to learn how to do a sport, it makes sense to get someone that really knows how to do it. If you want to learn how to wakeboard, you know, Austin in our church is almost a national, a world-class wakeboarder. He worked on it for hour after hour. I've never been on a wakeboard. Don't ask me how to use it. I don't know how to do it. Ask Austin. 
Austin will teach you how to do it. And then you should obey what he said. You should listen to Austin, and then you should obey him. That's the point that underlines why Paul says this is so important, because children, just by definition, haven't had a lot of experience, so they need older people that have a lot more experience, that know a lot more about the way things really go, what's really true, to help the kids to be able to stand their shoulders so they don't have to make all the mistakes that we made when we came along. That's the point, for this is right. I also want to stress the idea of right is that we live in a culture that says that nothing's really right or wrong. You can do whatever you want to, want to do. And I want you to be alert to that. Your culture often tells you that there isn't such a thing as right. It's just a matter of I like blue, you like orange, somebody else likes pink, who cares? And what I want to share is that that's not true. It is true about colors. I don't care what your favorite color is. In fact, I'll rejoice. If you tell me your color is chartreuse, I'll go, man, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. I'm sure the Lord loves chartreuse too because he's made some chartreuse in creation. So that's great. So color's color. If you tell me what style of music you like, you know, I'm going to go, that's fine. I, you know, that's good. There's just all different kinds of values in music and, and we can have different opinions. But when it comes to moral commandments, which foundationally roots in the Ten Commandments, I'm not going to just say that it's just a difference of color. And I want all of you to be really clear on that. Your society says that morality and color are the same. It's just a matter of personal choice. God says, no, it isn't. God says that when you create a society, that there's principles that you've got to follow. There are foundational rules, and this is one of them. Children, honor your parents. It's the fifth commandment. God gives four commandments that vertically deal with your relationship with him because the vertical relationship with him needs to always be straightened out first. And then he talks about our relationships with one another. And he begins our relationships with one another at the foundational level of a child with their parent. He says, children, honor your parents. This is a great day to do it. Look there at the text. This is quoting from Exodus chapter 20. It's almost a verbatim quote. Look what it says. It says, children... Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. The Lord Jesus gives us a reward if we obey this commandment. First of all, he says, let's talk about what it means. Because we've quoted this from the time we were kids. What does it mean to honor your parents? The word in Greek for honor is the word that means, it's often used for money. That it's the value of money or the price of something. And in this context, it basically means that as a child, I need to value. I need to give value. I need to give pricelessness. I need to give a high cost to my parents. The Greeks would use the idea of treating somebody heavy. When you honored somebody in Greek, it meant that you treated them with, uh, an old word would be gravity. You treat them with great dignity and weightiness and respect. All of those things are involved in this commandment. And by the way, this is a command that goes all the way through life. Like, I, Mary no longer needs to obey her mom. Mary doesn't have to obey mom anymore. And Mary, I should get an amen from that. But she does need, but she does need to honor her mom. She does need to treat her with great gravity and with great value and with great weight. And we live in a culture that's moving away from honoring parents. And a lot of you, in fact, some of you as I speak to you are from broken homes and your parents didn't love Jesus. And some of you are from alcoholics homes where your parents did horrible things to you in their drunken states. And I'm aware of that. 
And, and Jesus wants to come in and heal that. And he, he wants to be the daddy that you never had. But what I want to do is have you come all the way back home. And I want you to discover the beauty of what it really means to be in a family life. And what it means to really be in a home. And so one of the things you need to learn to do is to honor the position of a dad or mom. In fact, one of the things that I'd encourage you to do, I'd encourage you to, even if you have an unbelieving dad or mom, you want to think of what are some of the characteristics that I do respect or that are good that I can focus on. And so, for example, if your dad was really busy, he worked all the time and he wasn't there for you relationally, that's a bad thing. It's disobedient to the scripture. But you can also see a value that dad worked hard. Some of you could raise your hand right now and give a testimony and say, my dad worked really hard. And so that's a value that you can honor. And some of you would go on to say, and dad worked hard so he could provide for us so that we could have a home, so I could go to college. So even though dad might not have been there relationally, there's some things in his life today on Father's Day that you can honor. And those are good gifts from your ultimate daddy in heaven. And one of the things you want to learn to do, you want to learn to focus on some of the areas that you really can value, that you can really honor and give weight to. So honor your father and your mother. The Apostle Paul says to little children, because his focus here, I just switched to adults a little bit, but the Apostle Paul is really speaking to children like little children all the way up to teenagers getting ready to leave home. He's saying that if you honor your father and your mother, which relates to obedience as long as you're under their authority, that you're gonna, it's going to be well for you. Things are going to go better. And you'll live long in the, in, the, in, in the land that the Lord has given you. That's the way it's given in the Old Testament. For Israelites, it meant you'll be able to stay in the promised land because as you learn to obey your parents, you learn to obey God, and if you obey God, God blesses you. For us as New Testament believers here in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul broadens that out and doesn't say that you'll live long in the land of promise, like the land of Israel, but he's saying that we'll live long lives in the land that the Lord's called us to live in, wherever we are. Now, that's a beautiful thing. How many of you would like to live relatively a long time? How many, let me just reverse a little bit. How many of you say, man, my dying, man, what I want to do is I want to go home this afternoon. Some of you that are really depressed, if you raise your hand now, please come and see me. <laughs> it's a normal thing for us. We want to live a long time. And I want to share with you, this is a principle. The Apostle Paul knows that little children that are taught to listen to their parents and then to put feet into that listening and to be obedient. And they're able to build on the, the gathered wisdom of parents, especially parents that know God and know his word. That children that obey those parents are going to get through some really dangerous moments in life safely. And they'll live longer. And other kids that don't listen to their parents at all, that disobey them constantly and lie to them, it's saying that they're going to be on a much more dangerous path. Now, whatever you believe, you can believe, but I'm sharing with you, that's the truth. And doing this for a long time, I can, I can think back over young people that chose to con their parents, to lie to their parents, to deceive their parents, to be one thing Sunday morning and something, something, something else during the week. And they just totally disregarded their parents, rebellious, disobedient. And they think, as I try to talk to them, they would think, like, I'm an idiot. I actually have teenagers looking at me like, David, you're an idiot. And the big idea is, like, they're really with it. They're really in. And I'm watching the kid. The kid, you know, is driving intoxicated. 
Sometimes they're taking drugs. They're, they're, going, they're, they're, they're risking venereal disease, all kinds of stuff. But I'm the idiot. On another hand, I'll have another kid that, you know, from the time they're little bitty kids, they open up their heart to Christ and they want to be obedient and they want to follow him. And, you know, they listen to what mom and dad are saying. And, you know, they, they, they just stay away from all kinds of rapids, all kinds of tough times, all kinds of cliffs. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of you remember doing some things as a kid that your parent didn't know about that could have killed you? Come on, everybody raise your hand. You, you did something to see. See, now, now all, the, all the parents that have ever done that, raise your hand. Kids, that's why your parents are so hard on you. Because they've already almost killed themselves and they love you so dearly. And that's why they want you to listen. That's why they want you to listen. I don't care what you've done. Like some of you are, are you're adults and you've, some of you are here this morning. You've never heard anything like this before. Like, I, I, I work with people that my mom didn't know Jesus at all. My mom shacked out with three or four different guys. I hardly know where she's living right now. And, you know, and now I've come to know Jesus. That's their family tradition. And so they sit here going, like, where do I even start here? What I want to share with you, the really great thing about Jesus, is you could just start this morning. And here's the truth. And I, want, and I also want to share with you that you're the person the person that doesn't have any of this in their background, like I've been known Jesus since I was five. When Paul wrote this letter, there was hardly anybody that knew Jesus from the time they were five because Jesus hadn't come to the city of Ephesus that, that long in the past. So almost all of them are people that don't know Jesus. And so it's just like a lot of the people that we're trying to reach. They don't have the background. And the really neat thing is that Jesus welcomes everybody into his family by grace. And as you respond to him, no matter how disobedient you might have been, no matter how dishonoring you might be to your parents, because Jesus died for you and because he rose again, you can just start again. You can just welcome Jesus inside and then you can learn to be obedient. And the power of the Holy Spirit can rest upon you. And that's what we covet for you. We balance it out as we close on Father's Day. It says, all right, that's what the children need to do. What do the fathers need to do? And the fathers are given really simple, clear command. I think it's interesting. It doesn't say this to moms. And the reason it doesn't is because dads are the ones that wrestle with getting their kids angry at them. Now, there's a few angry soccer moms. I agree with that. (laughs) But there's a lot more angry soccer dads. And I want to share with you, there's some beautiful words on Father's Day. And boy, these words cut to my own heart. It says, daddies, fathers. Don't exasperate your children. Don't provoke them to anger. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That whole last part of the verse, we're going to expand upon that in the fall and go back in the book of Proverbs where those words come from, the child training and discipline of the Lord. But the Apostle Paul warns that he's against exasperating their children. And William Barclay is from Scotland. And William Barclay was a brilliant New Testament scholar. And he wrote in a very popular way for people. And I was reading his discussion. And he wrote, there are three ways in which we can do injustice to our children. Daddies, I want you to listen real carefully to this. I think William Barclay has some great insight into how we provoke our children. Number one, he says, we can forget. William Barclay says, we can forget that things do change. And that the customs of one generation are not the customs of another. Eleanor Mordaunt tells how once she stopped her little daughter from doing something by saying, I was never allowed to do that when I was your age. And the child answered, but you must remember, mother, that you were then and I'm now. You must remember, daddy, that you were then and I'm now. 
So realize that there are customs that change from one generation to the next. Number two, we can exercise such a control that it is an insult to our upbringing of our children. I love that. We can exercise such control that it is an insult to our own uh, uh, upbringing of our children. To keep a child too long in leading strings, that's a good Scottish phrase. And when you're teaching a child to walk in Scotland, leading strings are the harnesses you put on them. You know, kind of like walking your dog. That's a leading string, okay? And uh, it says it's to keep a child too long in leading strings is simply to say that we do not trust him, which is simply to say that we have no confidence in the way that we have trained him or her. It's better to make the mistake of too much trust than too much control. Number three. We can forget the duty of encouragement. Luther, his father, was very strict, strict to the point of cruelty. Luther used to say, spare the rod and spoil the child. That is true. But beside the rod, keep an apple to give him when he's done well. Benjamin West tells how he became a painter. Benjamin West was a very famous painter in the old country. And one day his mother went out, leaving him in charge of his little sister Sally. In his mother's absence, he discovered some bottles of colored ink. Mom, can you imagine this? And he began to paint Sally's portrait. In doing so, he made a considerable mess of things which, with ink blots all over the picture. His mother came back. She saw the mess but said nothing. She picked up the piece of paper and saw the drawing. Why? She said, it is Sally. And she stopped and she kissed him. Even after Benjamin West, ever after Benjamin West used to say, my mother's kiss made me a painter. Encouragement did more than a rebuke could ever do. Encouragement did more than a rebuke could ever do. Fathers and mothers, but especially fathers today, I pray that your kiss, your kiss on this Father's Day will make your kids not just painters, but will make them intimate, devoted followers of Jesus Christ because you kiss them in God's grace by his love. Let's pray. Father, only your Holy Spirit can help us to obey your word today, both as dads and moms and as children. I thank you, Lord, that by your amazing grace, that no matter how much we've disobeyed, no matter how much we haven't listened to our parents, that because Jesus stretched his arm for us in Calvary, as we often say, we can always come back home. And I thank you so much for the joy of children on this Father's Day that come back home. I thank you for many children that will be driving. I think of my own kids, uh, Josh and Laura, driving up from Austin today. And I think of many other children. Give them safety as they travel and give some dads some special blessing today. I thank you, Lord, that we can remember dads that are already in heaven and know that we haven't lost them forever, but that one day we will be dancing in those fields of grace. I want to ask you, Lord, that uh, what we've learned that about children needing to obey their parents. I want to ask you that your spirit of obedience would help some little children today that I've spoken to from your word. Many of them this week are going to wrestle with not listening to dad or mom. Some of our homes are filled with shouting and anger and a lot of disobedience. And I want to ask you, Lord, that your spirit would conquer that, that you would help some children this week to be obedient kids and to listen and not make mom and dad shout and then to obey with the spirit of Jesus, to obey quickly and easily. I'd ask you, Lord, that you would help some dads in closing that are really wrestling with anger and they put their kids 
under such tremendous stress. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to not be controlling, but help them to realize that ultimately the Holy Spirit needs to control. I want to pray, Lord, that you'll create an atmosphere in our church family where we can be honest about how we do irritate our kids, how we do break their spirits, how we do get angry and stress them out. And then we can begin to study your word about how your Holy Spirit wants to change that and help us not to be short and not to be stressed out and not to be putting such strong performance standards upon our kids. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that this message would not end here, but that it would keep flowing into the lives of my brothers and sisters, that we would truly see the fulfillment of Paul's instructions to children and to dads. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.